Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I talking all things Cleveland Browns, of course, as they deal with COVID issues and prepare to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just a heads up, we recorded this pod at about 12.30 on Wednesday, so um, just as you're listening, keep that in mind. Now, uh, check out Football Insider, of course, cleveland.com slash browns. There's a blue banner at the top of the page to get yourself signed up to get exclusive access to stories on cleveland.com, get an exclusive newsletter every day written by a member of our Browns team, and get texts from us, updates throughout the day. Uh, if you were a text subscriber, you would have been getting updates throughout the day as the Browns went through another set of COVID issues on Wednesday. Okay, enough for me. Here is our Thursday podcast. everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. And Scott Patsko joining us as well. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Okay, so just so everybody knows, uh, because all sorts of things are happening here in the NFL world, we're recording this at about 1230-ish on, uh, on Wednesday. So uh, we just found out that the Browns facility is closed. They had a player test positive and a staffer test positive. Uh, so we know that, um, but as we're recording this, we don't exactly know the extent of the contact tracing and all of that. So I, I wanted to um, get to a few questions here about the Browns to ask you guys. And I, I was thinking about this and I saw a tweet about this too. So I'm sort of stealing this idea a little bit, but obviously it feels like a lot of the Browns news is kind of bad right now, right? They had some positive tests today. Uh, they lost Andrew Sandejo for this game. A couple other guys had to go on the COVID list as close contacts. But at the same time, this team is still on track as of now to get the five players back who were close contacts over the weekend. Uh, Jedrick Wills is supposed to be back this week. Uh, Kevin Stefanski didn't have a firm update on that for us. Ronnie Harrison is working his way back. Wyatt Teller it sounds like he might be back this week. And this does feel like one of those, hey, we got to win this game, so you better figure out a way to get out their injuries for him. Is there actually kind of in the midst of this more good news than bad for the Browns, at least as far as who they could potentially have back? And, and again, we don't know who's going to get caught up in this contact racing thing yet over the next couple of days. But is there more potentially good news than bad news right now for the Browns as far as players they're getting back this week? Uh, potentially, absolutely, yes. Potentially, if you can get Ronnie and Wyatt 
and all of those receivers back and all the close contacts, the seven close contacts back, uh, this team will be as close to full strength as it has been all season long. And obviously that's what you want for this game uh, because you need to win this for the most part uh, to try to clinch that playoff spot. But a lot of it is going to depend on what happens with COVID. As you mentioned, while we're taping this right now, we don't know the results of the contact tracing. We do know that the player is a practice squad player today. So that's, it's not like we're waiting to find out if, uh, you know, if Baker Mayfield tested positive or something like that. It's a practice squad player. Um, and, the, and the coach, the staffer is a coach. So they're going to have to pivot there a little bit. But um, for the most part, uh, you know, it, it's as long as there aren't, you know, four new starters that end up on the list today, because if there were, they would have to, um, you know, they would have to miss this game. So if there were uh, a bunch of new guys added to the list today, that would be bad. But if the contract tracing goes well today, obviously it didn't go well on Saturday. Right. If it goes like it went on Saturday, there could be problems. If it goes well and everybody comes back, then this could be a really good situation for the Browns. Yeah, good news is like on a minute-to-minute basis at this point of the year, you know. Of course, everything compared to last week is is, is looking uh, like good news. Um, but we know B.J. Goodson isn't going to be in this game, right? So right. he, uh, even though the Browns didn't play well overall, uh, he had one of his best games in that first game against the Steelers. So you're taking your best tackler out of the middle of the field uh, in a game you got to win. Um, they didn't have Ronnie Harrison in that game, so adding him to the equation – will be a big deal. He was out with a concussion that first time. So, you know, you're subtracting one thing you need and adding another. Um, I think Sheldrick Redwine started that game too. Uh, Carl Joseph had, uh, was out. So the defense wasn't at, I guess, full strength, or maybe it wasn't its best version of itself in that game either. So, you know, I don't know, losing Goodson, getting Harrison, that might be a toss up. But overall, knowing that you have both your tackle or both your uh, linemen coming back and Teller and Wills is huge. I mean, they didn't have Wyatt Teller in the first game. And, and we saw how that worked out. So I think it's leaning towards more good news. But like Mary Kay said, it could change by the time we're done taping this. Yeah, well, and the thing about Teller, too, that's really important to note is, one, obviously he's been really good this year. Um, but two... He's actually, even if he's not 100%, he's two steps up the depth chart here from who they have playing there. You know, Nick Harris obviously did a nice job against the Giants uh, coming in. But, you know, look, when the Jets kind of knew that this guy was going to be there, it, it was pretty clear that that's where they wanted to attack. And, and he did not grade out very well, I know, on, uh, on Sunday against the Jets. So just being able to kind of step up two spots on that depth chart and get the guy that you expect to be there and a guy who's been so important to this run game, that alone – if Teller's able to go is, is a huge boost for this offense. Yeah. I mean, when, when you think about it, uh, to take a, a Steelers team that is going to be resting a number of guys. Okay. We don't know, like Cam Hayward, I hear Cam, Cam Hayward is pretty beat up and, and he might get some time off. We don't know if TJ Watt is starting. We know Ben Roethlisberger is not starting and that Mason Rudolph is. So you take that from their perspective and then you add in on the Brown side, guys that weren't there the first time around Nick Chubb, Ronnie Harrison, Wyatt Teller. Uh, it, there's probably more that I'm not even thinking about. Carl Joseph, I think you mentioned Scott. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
it's two completely different football teams to the point where the score could be flipped. I mean, this could be the Browns winning 38 to seven. I mean, that could really happen in this game if they get their guys back. The Browns need to score in this game though, because that that's where, that's where this game is going to be won and lost. I think not having Roethlisberger out there is obviously going to help the Browns defense, but the Steelers have proven that you can take guys out of that lineup and they're still good. You know, they lost Bud Dupree, they lost Devin Bush, and they're still like the top ranked defense uh, in most ways of measuring defenses. Uh, so even if you take some of those guys off, it's still going to be a chore for this offense and having everybody on track to come back is, is really vital for this Browns offense. Okay. The next question, uh, Baker Mayfield. He obviously, you know, a couple of weeks ago on that Monday night game against the Ravens, I thought he kind of exercised some of those demons that he's had against Baltimore. Uh, Pittsburgh is kind of next on that list. You know, he struggled against Pittsburgh. He had his worst game of the season against Pittsburgh this year. That was sort of a turning point, I think, for him uh, in that football game. Uh, now, we don't know, like you said, Mary Kay, we don't know who's going to be out there for Pittsburgh and for how long. So you know, maybe TJ Watts out there for a half. Maybe he's not out there at all. Same with, same with a guy like Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, who knows. But how important, or I guess, what does this game Sunday mean for Baker Mayfield? Because no matter who's out there at its heart, this is a kind of win and get in game. This is a big moment for Baker and it's coming off of a week when he basically kind of took that loss upon himself against the jets. Well, it's, it's a huge game for him. I mean, it, it's riding on his shoulders. The, the playoffs are resting on Baker Mayfield shoulders. He's got to protect the ball, not just in terms of not throwing interceptions, but he also has to protect it in terms of not fumbling. So he's got to be, once again, a reason that they win the football game and for sure not a reason that they lose. And he did feel like he was the reason. Now, maybe he was taking a little bit too much on himself, but he did feel like he was a reason or the reason that they lost the Jets game, which prevented them from clinching that day. Cannot happen again. Baker's got to go out and have a really good football te- game against a team that is aggressive, that is going, going to pressure him. And once again, he hasn't played well against pressure this season. Uh, the Jets, the Jets really did a nice job on, on Baker Mayfield. Of course, they took away the run that takes away the play action to some degree. Uh, so he's got to go out and prove that, that he can succeed and win this game because that's what a, a number one overall pick needs to do. And then also a byproduct of that would be playing well against an aggressive pressuring opportunistic defense. I mean, we don't know what it means for Baker, like inside the building in Berea, but I think outside there's just the whole storyline around Baker Mayfield and, you know, you don't play well in this game. It just washes away all that momentum he had in the weeks leading up to the Jets game. And like, you know, like you said, it's a big game and this is the game you drafted him to win. And I think that's a bigger deal maybe from outside Berea then inside as far as what it means for Baker Mayfield and his future and all that. Um, yeah, I think we're going to talk a lot about it. National folks are going to talk a lot about it. And especially if he doesn't win this game, because then it just gets, you know, stacked on top of other things that he wasn't able to do, but it, it's unfortunate that that happens because he has played well over the second half of the season. And he's a big reason why they're in this position. I mean, he's yeah, done the things that you wanted him to do to get here. So. Right. I, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's important in the sense that if he, if he goes out and plays poorly and, 
you, you kind of turn and, and look at it like, man, they, they lost this game because Baker didn't perform. I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to, you know, try to move on this offseason. I don't think it's going to be that extreme, but I, you know, it's, it would be disappointing. And, and I think you would wonder like, okay, how much more does Baker have to prove for this team? If they win, it's kind of funny because maybe he's going to turn around and play Pittsburgh again. <laughs> so I think it would be really meaningful if he stepped up and they won this game, but then it's kind of life in the NFL, right? It's, it's what have you done for me lately? And if he has to turn around and play a full strength Steelers team, I think that's going to be probably more important than just simply winning this football game. So I, I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of a complicated answer. Maybe, uh, you know, you hate to play the result, but maybe that's what it is. Just kind of playing the result a little bit. I think that, um, you know, the, your quarterback has to step up in big moments. I remember even just, you know, like talking to uh, Kurt Warner about that uh, at the Super Bowl about Baker last year. And, and he said, you know, the measure, the mark of a, of a good quarterback is that when you're going against a good team and another good quarterback, you've got to be able to go down in that two minute drill and, you know, throw that game winning touchdown pass or come back from behind. And he's, we've seen him do some of those things this year. He's done some really nice things uh, this year and answered some questions and passed some tests. But like you guys said, if they see the Steelers again, it's going to be a completely different Steelers team. And he is going to have to prove that he can beat a Ben Roethlisberger and that he can beat this full strength defense, because I don't think this is going to be the full strength version of the Steelers defense, even in this game. I have, we have no idea what it's going to be, but whatever it is, I don't think it's going to be what they will see if they have to face them in the playoffs. Although, you know, I'll add this, you know, even with that, winning this game matters, right? Mm -hmm. However it looks, whoever's out there, like winning this game is really important for this franchise moving forward. It's really important for this quarterback moving forward, I think. So, um, you know, uh, even if they turn around and play the Steelers again, and maybe they lose a close game in the wild card, maybe they beat the Steelers again, I don't know. But winning this particular game this week to get into the playoffs, I think we all kind of know how important that is for this franchise and this organization moving forward to have this opportunity and to take advantage of it. And, and this could be kind of a, I, I think regardless, this could be a moment for Baker if he kind of goes out there and carries this team into the playoffs, even if it is Mason Rudolph and whoever the backup defensive end there is for the Steelers. Okay. Let's do uh, let's do some quick over unders here before I let you guys go. Um, Obviously, Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph is going to be a story this week. It's, it's unavoidable. It's going to be the first time they're going to play each other since uh, that night uh, in 2019. So we're going to do an over-under here with Miles Garrett. I was thinking about making it half a sack, but I decided to go big here. One and a half sacks for Miles Garrett, over or under. Scott, you go. Wow. Um, one and a half sacks. I'm going to say under. The Steelers don't give up sacks. They got like, I think 13 all year leading the league. Um, you got a more mobile guy back there, I guess, than Ben Roethlisberger. Not that, I mean, he has, Roethlisberger has his own challenges to get down, even if he just stands there. But uh, this team obviously pass protects very well. So I'm going to go under. You know what? I, even though Miles is not back to himself yet, and he is still struggling with his breathing and all of that, I think I'm going to go over because I think he did start to look a lot more like himself in the last game. Uh, I do think that Mason Rudolph will probably hold the ball 
quit a lot longer than than Ben would. And um, and Miles has an opportunity to set the single season sack record in this game. And he also has an opportunity to strengthen his case for NFL Defensive Player of the Year, especially if TJ Watt doesn't play. Now, if I were TJ Watt, I'm raising my hand and saying, I'm out there, coach, right? I mean, you, you, he doesn't want to lose that award in the final week of the season in the way that Nick Chubb lost the rushing title last year. Uh, but I think Miles is going to be very, very motivated. I mean, he needs two and a half sacks to set the club record. And it's achievable now with Mason Rudolph starting this game. Uh, we don't even know who's going to be playing on their offensive line. And if they find some weaknesses, if there are some guys that are injured or out uh, and he can find a, a hole there, uh, he will take advantage of it. So I'm going to say over. I am going to go. I'll tell you what I'm going to do here. This is an honor of, of Ellis Williams. Hmm. I'm going to say a push. I'm going to go right on one and a half. So I, I looked it up. Um, Last year, Mason Rudolph was actually, let's see if I can find it here, sacked 15 times in, in 10 games. Uh, so I think he's a little easier to sack than, than Ben Roethlisberger, even old Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, Scott, the Steelers have not given up many sacks this year. Uh, so I'm going to go. Miles actually gets that second sack. But guess who? Sheldon Richardson comes plowing through and splits the sack with him, that, that number two sack. And uh, we get to hear from Sheldon after the game about how he stole Miles' second sack from him. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go the cheap route here, and I'm going to say a push uh, right at one and a half for Miles Garrett. Okay, Browns rushing yards on Sunday. They put it at 120. So combined rushing yards for the Browns. They, they might have Wyatt Teller back. They should have both their backs. The Steelers are really good against both the pass and the run. This is a really tough Steelers defense. Uh, what what do we think there? Over under one twenty. Scott, you can go. Uh, man. I mean, if it's over, they probably win this game. But uh, I'm gonna say under. I'm not saying they're definitely gonna lose. I just don't know if the run game is going to have that kind of production. I think it's gonna be something where Baker's got to do a little more than normal. Um, they got to maybe be a little more creative. It's not gonna be as simple as. Uh, it's just piling up carries for Chubb and Hunt. So I, I think that's going to be a hard, a hard uh, mark to, to hit. I'm going to say under. Yeah, that, that's a big number. That's a big number against this defense. And, and if it were the regular 100% full-strength Steelers defense, I would say under for sure. It's a little hard not knowing who's going to be out there for them and how much they really care about this game, which we should know in about the first uh, little bit more than a quarter if they care about winning this game. I suspect that they don't, otherwise they would be starting Ben. Uh, so I'm gonna go over, I'm gonna go over. I think the Browns are gonna try to uh, go with what brought them to the dance to this point and try to run their way into the playoffs uh, because they wanna be careful with fumbling. They wanna be careful with turnovers. I'm gonna go over. Okay, so six times this year, the Browns have gone under 120. Uh, one of those was against the Giants a couple weeks ago. And, uh, of course, one of those last week against the Jets. And the other one, one of the other ones was against Pittsburgh when they rushed for 75 in the first game. But, of course, they were also trailing pretty big in the second half of that game. 
I'm going to go under on this and I'm doing it because I'm kind of looking back at one of those six games, not the Steelers game. I'm actually looking back at that Giants game a little bit. And I'm looking at how the Browns also, I think, came out to attack the Jets and how they how it probably would have worked if they would have had their their four receivers. This team has been very aggressive passing the football this month in particular. And I think Kevin Stefanski, a lot of times when he's got a healthy group, when he's got Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, all those guys, and his tight ends are, are playing like they should, I think he likes that kind of quick rhythm passing game a little bit instead of just pounding the football over and over again. I think he likes to loosen that defense up with the pass game a little. So I, I'm going to kind of look back at how they moved the ball against the Giants, and I'm going to say that the Browns tried to do the same thing here against the Steelers uh, early on. Instead of establishing the run, they kind of go to the air early. So I'm going to take the under on this, uh, mostly because of how I think they might attack this defense. Um, this is a really good defense. <laughs> you know, you, I, you kind of forget about it if, if you don't watch them every single week. But yeah, they are, uh, they are really tough. And I think maybe it might be a little easier to throw the ball and do some things with those receivers than, than try and pound the ball into that Steelers line. Okay, last one. This is a Steelers question over under for the Steelers with Mason Rudolph starting 250 passing yards. Mm. You know what? And, and, and before we finish wrap up here, I want to get Scott's thoughts on something that we talked about on our pod yesterday. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's, I want to ask him about whether or not he thinks the season will be a success if they don't make the playoffs, but uh, I'm going to say under, I'm going to say under for this. I, I, I don't think, I mean, if, if the Steelers were smart, they would run the ball a lot in this game. I mean, they would, they haven't been doing that, which I find quite odd. Um, but I think they will more so perhaps this game. I, I, I'm going to go under on that. I'm going over. The only way it's under, I think, is if Mason Rudolph starts throwing picks left and right. Um, the, the Steelers can't run the ball. They just, for whatever reason, James Conner had 100 yards against the Browns, was that week six? And he hasn't had a 100-yard game since then. He's mostly been under uh, around four yards or under per carry. Benny Snell isn't the answer. They, they're like at the bottom of pretty much every rushing metric you can think of. They don't do well in short yardage. They don't break open holes for long runs, like no explosive plays running the ball. Um, I'm sure they're going to try and they're really going to hope <laughs> that they can run the ball with some success when you got Mason Rudolph as their quarterback, but I think it's going to fall on his shoulders to complete passes. I mean, the Steelers throw more than anybody else in the league. And I don't, I don't think they're going to flip that or, or change much of that uh, this week, just because they changed their quarterback. Cause they just, they can. Okay. So I'm going to say under just because weirdly, and Scott, you mentioned this, and I think I said this on the podcast a couple days ago for some strange reason, and I don't know what it is. James Conner becomes Barry Sanders against the Cleveland Browns. I don't get it. He has over 400 rushing yards against the Browns. He doesn't have over 300 rushing yards against any other team. The Bengals are second, and he's under 300 career rushing yards against them. If all you ever did was watch James Conner run the football against the Browns, no matter who's calling the defense, no matter who's out there, and it continued this year, you would think this guy was Nick Chubb. He's not Nick Chubb, but for some reason he can run the ball against the Browns. I also wonder how much the Steelers want to show the Browns. I know that we can overrate that a little bit, but um, you know, I mean, the Browns are going to have a ton of tape on the Steelers to watch heading into a potential rematch. They played the Steelers already this year. They've, they've seen what it's like. I don't know. I, I wonder if the Steelers might want to just kind of play it close to the vest this week 
and just sort of play it safe and, uh, and kind of not do anything creative. And if Connor's able to move the football like he always does against the Browns uh, for whatever reason, maybe they kind of stick with that. So I think it's going to be kind of a conservative game plan from the Steelers. So I'll go with the under here, uh, especially, I don't know. I don't know how much I, I trust Mason Rudolph to put up numbers against any defense, even this one. Okay. So, Oh, Scott, did you want to add to that? I was going to say, I think, I think the Browns, if they win, they're pretty much a lock to play the Bills in the first round of the playoffs. So I don't know how much the Steelers will be holding back because they don't want to show anything. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you're also putting things on tape for whoever you are going to play, maybe the Ravens. Um, but anyways, that's all I was going to add. Mm-hmm. So now tell <laughs> us your thoughts, since we did a whole pot on this or half a pot on this yesterday. If the Browns do not make the playoffs, is this season a success? Um, big picture, no, because the whole goal is to make the playoffs. But looking at like progression and pointing the franchise in the right direction and uh, you know, not having total chaos, uh, I would say in that respect, yes, the season is a success because I mean, of all the things we've talked about over and over on these pods, you know, just you've got your coach, you got your GM, you had your quarterback playing well, I would say for the majority of this season, um, no matter what happens against Pittsburgh. Um, and you have a clear focus on areas you need to improve. I think from that standpoint, yeah, I would say it's a, a success. I mean, this, the Browns aren't going to, say that publicly if they miss the playoffs but I think from a franchise standpoint knowing what this team has been through since 2016 um yeah I think I think it's a good season okay there we go so that'll do it for our our Thursday orange and brown talk podcast uh make sure you're subscribed to this feed because Friday we're going to have our picks pod coming and an old friend will be joining our podcast to give us a preview of the Steelers. So you'll want to stick around for that. Make sure you're subscribed um, to hear that. And then uh, Scott, you guys will have another got to watch the tape uh, coming up, right? I know Doug had a special guest on yesterday, but uh, are you and Ellis back for this next edition? We are. And we're going to take a close look at the, uh, at the Steelers. Well, basically just the matchup or kind of break it up into offense versus defense both ways. And uh kind of figure out where where the hope is for the Browns, where the hope is for the Steelers. All right. So make sure you check that out as well on an Orange and Brown Talk feed and check out Football Insider. Head to cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner up at the top of the page. For Scott and Mary Cam. Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.